Today's topic, having two parts to it, titled Vivekananda Bharatam, The Vision and the Mission, is so vast and profound, immense in its magnitude, and the topic worthy to be discussed by people who are holding the reins of India. Actually, today, in this place, instead of you, we should have collectors, ministers, and MLAs and MPs. The topic is of such significance, so serious, and so deep, yet, Instead of them, we in the Ramakrishna Mutt have taken seriously to this topic and all of you have gathered here in the name of Swamiji at least to partake or share some of the thoughts that we are going to see today. That clearly indicates that in India as it was in the past, Every upheaval will come at the backdrop of, backdrop of religious leaders. Behind every rising, a tidal wave that set India in its onward motion, behind every upsurge, there has been a great spiritual leader behind India's development. During Buddha's time it rose to great significance and eminence. Again during Chanakya's time, who was also spiritual, India again rose. During Shivaji's time with Samartha Ramdasji behind him, again a part of India rose. And during Swamiji's time, again India has risen. And Swamiji says, I clearly see India, Mother India, seated as the Guru of the world countries. So that clearly proves to us that it is through religion, through spirituality, that India has to rise. Not the static piety of the old religious spiritual spirit, but if the profound dynamic attitude of the Renaissance Hinduism, which is very aggressive in its nature, not violent but aggressive. There is difference between violent and aggressive. So Swamiji wanted Hinduism to become aggressive. Not the mild Hindu. The mild Hindu will become aggressive. Aggressive means strong. 
resonant, vibrating, dynamic and all-encompassing. To such a level this Hinduism may grow as I feel and see the situation that are developing in India that perhaps Hinduism may swallow up Christianity and Islam. Just as it did in the ancient past, Buddhism and Jainism were swallowed up within the fold of Hinduism. The same rebel child Buddhism got a new twist after being absorbed by Hinduism. As I see the situation in India, in Kerala, in Tamil Nadu, in other states, I find the situation may come when Hinduism will become so aggressive, so broad, so dynamic that Christianity and Islam may become part of Hinduism. It may be hyperbolic thinking, but sometimes I feel one or two incidents I shall quote to you from India and some of the incidents from other countries. So keeping those thought currents, those incidents at the backdrop of our thought sharing, we can understand that it is so significant that a topic like this is being discussed by devotees of Ramakrishna Vivekananda. A few days before, few months before, youngsters from the group called Jamaite Islam, they had come to Ramakrishna at Koilandi and they told Swamiji, we would like to invite you for a meeting. I told, for what meeting you want Ramakrishna at Swamiji? For the Jamaite Islam meeting? No, no, Swamiji, in Kerala we are organizing Sarva Mata Samanvaya meeting. Then I asked him, where are you holding the meeting? He told, in the public place, we have erected a pandal, there we shall be holding this meeting. I told, why not in the masjid itself? Then I put another question, are you really interested in conducting this meeting of harmony of religions? Well, yes, Swamiji, we would like to have it. And especially we want a Ramakrishna Mat Swami. I told for what purpose? See, wherever Ramakrishna Mat Swami goes, it lends a dignity, a prestige to the meeting where they are present. And people know how to exploit. I told, I shall come to your meeting only when you can arrange three meetings, one in the masjid, one in the church and one in our ashrama. I told Swamiji, that is very difficult. I told, who told it is difficult? Have you not seen in our own temple the symbol of all religions in the small Koilandi ashrama? If you go to Mysore, that Vedantic Institute, Rimse, you will find all the religious symbols being displayed in the prayer hall. I told, I had gone to Jumma Masjid, knelt down in front of the altar and seeing me, one of your own Muslims came and asked, I told, I am a Brahmachari from Ramakrishna Mat. He told, is it so? I am so happy. So he himself took me around and he told how to make namaskars to the altar. This is one incident and I told, I had gone to church. I have knelt down in front of Jesus. This I learned from Sri Ramakrishna. Can you kneel down? Or at least to sit in front of Sri Ramakrishna. Oh, that is too much for us. We don't believe. We don't accept. You don't accept. 
and yet you want to have harmony of religious religions meeting then it was swami ji please forgive us we are all youngsters enthusiastic we want to do it i don't if you want to do it what is preventing you you ask your mullah to declare on every friday that all religions are equally valid pass to realization of the same god god is one he is called by different names you put it in your own arabic or urdu language and just go on telling you will become dynamic revolutionary muslims of kerala please forgive us your hinduism is so broad so magnanimous so catholic it is too much for our religion to take up it will then i will not be able to come because you will be exploiting the prestige because when i come i am not swami veerabhadrananda who is coming i am carrying on my head sri ramakrishna and vivekananda and where they are present public will understand that whatever is being conducted that is right and when you cannot accept till why should i accept your religion he asked me why should i accept your religion i told did i ask you to follow my religion i just told accept that hinduism also is true no we can't accept if you can't accept how do you expect that christians and uh, other people to accept you so it became very difficult for him to argue with me then ultimately he submitted swami ji these ideas are far ahead of the islam it is difficult for us to accept these ideas during this time it is much ahead of us so another time we found when i had taken up the in charge ship of koilandi ashrama a christian father had come he wanted to celebrate good friday these ideas i am keeping as preface so that as we enter into the subject we will find how these things are becoming relevant for us it will swami ji greetings to you in the name of christ i told yes greetings to you in the name of christ we adore christ we like can you do one help at all yes whatever help you want we will do next friday not next friday next month third friday we'll be celebrating good friday we would like to have with jesus in a small palanquin carried by us and we would like to start this procession jhulus from ramakrishna mat then i was thinking in my mind what in the hell would you like to start your christian people's procession from ramakrishna mat even if you would like to start this procession from ramakrishna mat i told him you see ramakrishna mat is an ashrama all may not be coming to this place but there is a shiva's temple which is a common platform for all hindus to meet so if you go to shiva's temple from there if you take the procession perhaps more people may join you immediately he blurted out no swami ji they don't accept us mentally i was asking do you accept us because everything we can't openly speak then at all if they don't accept all hindus may not come and join you from here also perhaps we don't know. i can't assure you that all the villagers will join you from here then i told him you see i have never seen your face for the last one year suddenly you have come to the ashrama what is your background i do not know what is your plan i don't know 
So before giving my consent to you, let me ask our headquarters whether I should allow you or not. This is my first assignment as the head of the center. So just wait. He told, yes, Swamiji, that is nice. I am very glad. When shall I come? I told, as soon as the email comes, I will give you a call. So in between every now and then he was asking, Swamiji, have you got the reply for your email? Our General Secretary Maharaj had gone out. I told, please wait, don't be in a hurry. So the email came from Belurmat and they had clearly written, allow the father to take his procession from Ramakrishna Mat. That is the first sentence. So reading that sentence, father was very happy. Second sentence followed, tell him that when he will take the procession, let him hold placards containing the message, Ekam Sat Vipra Bahuda Vadanti. Every religion is equally valid path to realization of the supreme reality. God is one called by different names. And below they had written some other things. So cutting that message, this top portion of the letter I handed over to the father. Just he read it. Then looked at me. The whole face had turned red. Swami, for such a small thing, you have referred to your headquarters? Well, yes, definitely. It may be a small thing for us, for you, but it is significant for us because we are trying to bring Christ. We are allowing Christ, the procession to be taken from here. And what this man is going to talk during that time, we don't know. I told, we adore Christ. We adore Christ. The second part, I did not tell him. The second part is, Swami Abhidhanji has told, we hate Christianity. Churchianity, not Christianity. Why we adore Christ, but don't like churchianity? Because a lot of politics and petty-mindedness are involved. They want to take advantage, make a platform of this magnificent Ramakrishna Amat and project themselves. Then he told, Swamiji, if you can ask your headquarters, I too have my headquarters in Vatican. I told, why not ask them what to do? I also will write. Then I was smiling. Before the letter comes, your good Friday will be out. Not only that, I was just smiling and thinking, if the Pope in the Vatican knows that you have dared to take a procession from Ramakrishna, but he will simply chuck you out from that father's post. Because why should you go there to such a low level, to such a pitiable condition that you have to start from Ramakrishna Mat? And what prestige Ramakrishna Mat is holding, you see? Anything starting are started in the name of this great master Vivekananda Ramakrishna. The brand name sells in the market like hot cake. Anybody can put Ramakrishna Vivekananda, immediately it sells. Then I told this father and that Muslim, you see, originally you were all Hindus, were you not? Have you come from some other countries? No. Your ancestors were Indian, Hindus. But instead of holding your loyalty for this country, what are you doing now? You may be Christians, but you are a Hindu Christian. You may be a Muslim, but you are a Hindu Muslim. So if you are a Hindu Muslim, if you are a Hindu Christian, we can all unite. We can form a wonderful India, a united India. And that is what we had previously. 
and it is these Christians and Muslims who jointly welcomed Swami Vivekananda when he came from America. But staying in India, losing the roots of your own ancestry, what are we having now? Are we not all fighting against each other, making petty groups in the name of religion? For a few minutes they were simply flabbergasted. Does it happen in America? Does it happen in Iran or Iraq? And do you know that Iran and Iraq, those people, Muslims there, don't hold you to be proper original Muslims? So, so few more points were discussed. Then I told, originally it is Hindu blood that is running inside you. You need not change your religion now, but hold on to the root of the soil in which you were born. And you too can have the prestige of preaching the harmony of religion. It is in India we build churches for Christians, mosques for Muslims. When our Tamil magazine of Madras, Ramakrishna Vijayam was taken to Dubai, Bahrain and other places, seeing this simply they tore it. One boy from Salem had taken Sri Ramakrishna's photo, Swamiji's photo and mother's photo in a small this playing card size, which is being published by one Gopal Krishna or somebody from Bombay. A small or playing card size photo. They snatched it. Who is this? This is my father, this is my mother, and this is my elder brother. Okay, take it back. The boy was very intelligent. He was from Salem, Tamil Nadu. He told Swamiji, what else could I do? tell? I told you, have told the right thing. Sri Ramakrishna is our father. Mother is mother. Swamiji is our elder brother. So slowly he kept that photo inside. So under these situations and the situations that are prevailing in the western countries where Christians are losing hold on the religion, many of the churches have been sold. They are all vacant and one or two centers of Ramakrishna has been started in those churches because that was the cheapest building available for purchasing. So when this is the present world situation, one more incident comes to my mind that in Salem I was asked by one organization called YWCA, Young Women's Christian Association. After long discussion, they told we shall call this Swami Veerabhadrananda. I had been there in Salem Ashrama talking about Gita for three and a half years. So somehow they understood that I am a speaker. So they called. So the lady who called me she was a converted Christian. The original Christian is more polite. <laughs> These converted Christians are very dangerous. They would like to prove their loyalty and staunchness so much that they become anti-Hindu. They think that by becoming anti-Hindu, we can prove our loyalty to their, their religion. How stupid, you see. Then through one of our devotees, she asked whether the Swami will come and address us. We have got parliament of religions, inter-religious meet. Then I told the devotee, I will definitely come. I had to speak only for 8 minutes. Ultimately, all spoke for 20 minutes, 30 minutes and I spoke only for 8 minutes. Because that was more convenient, you see. Then I told just one information I want. Give the phone number of that lady. If you feel any hesitation, I will ask her. So I put that question. 
After putting that question, next day the devotee came and asked me, Maharaj, what did you ask that lady? I told, why? She became so explosive, I could not understand what you asked her. She gave such a long lecture to me for one hour that I could not understand what has happened between you and her. I told her, I did not do anything. Just I put one question. Do you convert? She told, not forcibly. I told, do you convert forcibly, silently or violently? She told, yes. I told, we don't convert. If you convert, I don't believe that you accept all religions as true. If you want Ramakrishna to be there in the platform, you must stop converting. You preach, you help, give all the sympathy. Why, why do you convert these poor people taking advantage of their pitiable condition? You exploit them. I don't believe that is the case. And all the audience here all, are all Hindus. I told, where are your Christians and Muslims? Madam, Young Women's Christian Association, all these people who are staying here, 95% of them are Hindu girls, working women's hostel. So should I preach harmony of religion to Hindu girls? I feel it is an insult. Bring your Christian audience, bring your Muslim audience. To them I would like to preach the harmony of religion. You dare to preach to Hindus the harmony of religion? Go to Iraq and preach. Go to Pakistan and preach. Then I shall accept and admire your greatness, your valor. Why don't you go to Pakistan and preach, I asked. Preach about your Christianity. Why don't you go to Gulf countries and preach? You don't dare to do it because they will come out with their own sword. It is because we are loving, we are affectionate, we are magnanimous, generous, you take advantage, is it not? This is not religion. I told this is called petty politics. And why do you try to create harmony among religions? Are you not having denominations and quarrel among your own Christian denominations? So quarrel and disharmony is there everywhere. But if you follow truth, all quarrels will cease. But we don't want to follow truth. Because we don't follow religion, we are politically motivated. Politics is different, spirituality is different. I told spirituality unites, politics divides. So to preach this spirituality, which can unite, as I told yesterday, to create a synthesis, a harmony between science and religion, between one and the many, between the actual and the real, between the West and the East, Sri Ramakrishna came and he awakened India. And very beautifully this idea has been put by not a Hindu poet, but by an Islamic poet, Kazi Nazrul Islam. There's a famous song. What is that song? How it starts? No. No, no, no. No, no. I am rem remembering the other lines. In that poem, and this man, Kazi Nazrul Islam, he wrote three poems. One on Mother, one on Swamiji, and one on Guru Maharaj. It so happened that 
during all the three people's centenary celebration his song formed the opening song paramahamsa siddha guru siddha yogi yuga avatar laho pranam laho namaskar there he says jagale bharato smashano thire you awakened india smashana thire that's a panchavati dakshineshwar he awakened india how matru namer amruta nire bhasale nija bharato avar by drowning the whole of india in the name of the divine mother the next line is still more beautiful he says patale bharato deshe deshe rishi oh lord what you did you awakened india from the sleep in the name of mother then you sent rishis patale bharat deshe deshe rishi punya teertho vari kalash so all these rishis the 16 disciples and those that are now working they are all like punya teertho vari kalash so what is this punya teertho vari kalash a kalash a kumbhak a pot holding the punya teertho vari waters of the punya teertho in india in olden days when a temple will be consecrated the consecrated waters will be taken in a pot and the king will send this water to be taken to different parts of the country for doing prokshana like this perhaps here also they might would have done after the kumbhavishekam they would have taken the water and sprinkled on all of you so swami vivekananda was the main kalash huge kalash and how sri ramakrishna became the punya teertha vari there's another story sri ramakrishna himself became the teertha vari mukti vari and through them all of them becoming kalash he sent one kalash to london one to america one to san francisco one to ceylon here and there everywhere this teertha vari kalash it went and this water was sprinkled and all of them got liberation everybody got this sprinkling of the divine waters one day during a pavarnami night holy mother was standing on the steps of ganges suddenly she saw, she saw from somewhere sri ramakrishna coming going down through the steps entering into the ganges water and merged and became one with that water and somewhere before saradevi could understand swami vivekananda came took the whole water in a pot and sprinkled it shouting jai ram krishna jai ram krishna on the mass of people they were that were standing there and mother says immediately all were released sri ram krishna had become mukti vari so what is this mukti vari this mukti vari holds in its self the principle of synthesis the principle of harmony the principle of love the next line is still more beautiful then he says tava nama maka prema niketane tai bhoreyache tri sansar all the three worlds are filled with prema niketan what is this prema niketan center vedantic in new york london ramakrishna center and all those ramakrishna mutton mission everywhere wherever the sprinkled waters have fallen prema niketan has come and how the prema niketan has been painted that is a beautiful 
Similarly, he says, Tavo Nama Maka Prema Niketane. All the Prema Niketans, they are smeared with your own name. This is a beautiful paint, Ramakrishna paint. And what is the essence of that paint? Love, love, love. Love is one of the most potent cohesive force working in this world. Anybody and everybody can unite in Sri Ramakrishna Vivekananda. So the poet Kazi in Asrul Islam says, Tavo Nama Maka Premo Niketane Tai Bhore Ache Three Samsar. The three Samsar, all the three worlds are filled with mansions bearing your name, painted with your love. So, Swami Vivekananda was one of that Kalash who had gone to other country for what purpose Sri Ramakrishna had sent him. So, before his death, Sri Ramakrishna says, Narain will take the whole world in his hand and give whatever shape he wants. He will give Loka Shikha. Loka Shiksha Dega Narain. For what purpose Sri Ramakrishna came? that we find in the first meeting between Sri Ramakrishna and Vivekananda. When Swamiji enters, he says, Hey Prabhu, do you know who you are? You have come for the welfare of the humanity. You are Nara, Narayan, that group which we are forming, we have come to this earth. I know it, Mother has shown to me. One day my, my mind went far, far into the realms, deeper realms and there I found seven rishis, venerable sages were meditating and the formless one took form and stepped on the lap of one of the rishi, put its hand on the shoulders and asked, I am going down, will you come down? The rishi who was an adept in meditation slightly opened his head and nodded his accent, assent. And when Narendranath came to my room, I found the light from that Rishi had come and entered him. So Narendranath was brought by Sri Ramakrishna for the welfare of the whole humanity. And when this idea was told to Narendranath, to Swamiji, that you have got some work in this world, Swami Vivekananda did not accept it. He told, I will not do it. And Sri Ramakrishna told, your bones will do it. And Swami Vivekananda writes, two or three days before his passing away, the one whom he called as Kali entered into me. He says in another place, this is a secret that will die with my death. What is that secret? I also could not understand. He says, two or three days before his death, the one whom Sri Ramakrishna used to call as Kali entered inside me. It is she who is taking me here and there, making me do this and that work without letting me to be to remain quiet and allow me to look after my personal comforts. That was a difficult situation. She made a slave out of me. She really made a slave out of me. It is her, her dictate, her command that I do everything. This is a secret that will die with my death. So this is how we find Swami Vivekanandaji's vision and mission starts. 
Though in the beginning Swamiji did not accept it, did not have a total grasp of the meaning of the words of Sri Ramakrishna, slowly after the passing away of the great master as he was wandering through the length and breadth of India, seeing the great situation of India, a great transformation came in the heart of Swami Vivekananda. The same man who told, I would like to drown myself 24 hours in Samadhi, and who was admonished by Sri Ramakrishna, telling that, are you so petty-minded? I thought you have come for the welfare of the whole humanity. You will become a huge banyan tree under whose shade millions and millions of suffering souls will come and take rest. Alpa buddhi, Sri Ramakrishna says. You have become so small-minded, Swamiji could not understand at that time. But as he started his Parivrajaka life, slowly he found that something inside is melting. Something is becoming vast, vast and vaster. Something expanding inside. Some tremendous energy accumulating inside. Unable to bear the burden of that energy, one day Swamiji breaks down putting his hands on the shoulders of Turiyanji, he says, Haribai, I do not understand any of your religion, but let me tell you that my heart has expanded. Seeing the sufferings of the millions and millions of poor Indians, Swamiji's heart melted into compassion. He says, I feel as Buddha felt. And tears ran through Swami Vivekananda's cheeks. Hearing those words, Swami Turiyanandaji also was moved. He told, tears came to my eyes also, and I felt, are not this the words as those of Buddhas? So as Swamiji was slowly going round India, he had two sorts of vision about India. One is what he saw, and another is what he looked at. What he saw was the external India. This external India, all of us are able to see even now. If you go this side or that side, you will find slum, dirt, squalor, disease, poverty, quarrel, pettiness, jealousy, slave mentality, disunity, disharmony. Everything we can see, is it not? It is not difficult for an ordinary mind, ordinary man, to see this external India. Every one of us is able to see the external India. Swamiji saw the external India. Every Indian youth who goes to America does not want to come back because he sees the external India. So Swamiji with his prophetic vision as he was traveling from place to place, he found out that there is something to be looked through these events, situations of India. Seeing and looking, these are the two different techniques ordinary man sees. A seer looks, or we can change the word, ordinary man looks, 
seer sees but more better will be looking though the word seer comes from the word see all of us see all of us hear but many of us don't listen is it not so these two words have got different sentiments one is just to hear and one is to listen so swamiji listened to the music of india swamiji looked at india he saw the external india then he just stood and looked back and he found what a magnificent india is behind this fallen india the external india is a fallen india india in decadence but there was some other india which india he is found vibrating like burning embers under the ashes and during the experiences of his life as a parivrajaka he found that hiding under the external india as he looked through these events and incidents of india he found there is an eternal india and he says that eternal india is still living are you able to behold the music of that eternal india every passer by every traveler every man who comes to india stays for a few days looks at the external india but behind and below this external india there is something which is called eternal india swamiji caught the strains of music of that eternal india and he became full of pride yesterday i quoted swamiji told i am one of the proudest men ever born on this earth not because of my achievements but because of my ancestry more and more and more i look into the past more and more i am filled with pride and happiness and i am raised from the dust and the conviction has grown and because of which i have offered my whole life for fulfilling the plan which my ancestors the rishis and munis they laid out so this is the vision swamiji had first he saw the external india and then he beheld below and behind the external india something eternal which cannot be smashed or conquered by any external invasions so the subject is so vast i am not able to put understand where to put my fingers still i shall try to make some justice whenever i think about swami vivekananda i used to feel that the roaring waters of the ocean cannot be held in the clenched fist of a child a child went to the ocean he told sara sagar ko mai uthalunga so more and more it clenches its fist more and more the waters run through its fingers but still whatever few drops are held in our hand that is sufficient to make our tongue and mind pure so we will make this attempt hundreds of attempts are being made by so many scholars we will make our own humble attempt so swami ji saw this external india as well as eternal india and when he beheld that magnificent eternal india he belonged to that eternal india he was one of the saptarishi so he could hear the music the india of the rishis 
the ancient India, the magnificent India, the marvelous India, the Sonekichidia India. So that was the India in great glory. The great India, the wonderful India, which tempted everybody to come and attack. And Swamiji says, this India which I am beholding, the musical cadence of which I am hearing, the same music which we are hearing from Swamiji, this India dates back to them and it is eternal because it has got a purpose to serve in the world mission. He says very beautifully in the American soil, there was a time when at the mention of the name of the Greek, the whole earth trembled. The Roman flag floated over everything that was worth having in this world. At the trumpet call of the Rome, everybody trembled. But today Capitoline Hill is a mass of ruin. Spider weaves its web where Caesars once ruled. And in spite of all these attacks and invasions and conquest, India still lives. What does it prove? That India has a mission to fulfill. And very beautifully he says, moment that mission will be fulfilled, this nation will vanish. But this nation cannot vanish because this is an eternal mission. Constantly the spiritual truths the culture, it has to be passed on to the other countries which are reveling in the material civilization, living a few moments of exuberant life, vanishing like ripples on the face of water. These are the words Swamiji has used. They are all living a few moments of exultant, exuberant life and vanishing like ripples on the face of earth. And still we India live and that is the eternal India of which Swamiji had the vision. So there are two visions which Swamiji had. One is the external India and another is the eternal India. It is the eternal India which we have to see through the great eyes of Swami Vivekananda. If our politicians, if our teachers, if our parents, if our youths can see the eternal India, what a glory it will be. Tremendous energy will rise. I feel Kundalini itself may rise. You will feel so proud. What an ancestry you have got. What a marvelous backing. What a background music is there behind the music of your own life. If you can recognize that and link yourself, then the whole life becomes glorious. And it was that linking that made Sambhaji great at the end of his life. Is it not? The great pride he felt linked with his father. What was his life in the middle? And this same Samaji told, I belong to Shivaji. Moment you link yourself to the past, the great, magnificent past, the whole Atma Samman, the Gaurav, the Kula Gaurav and what we say, the pride of India comes and fills your heart. It is this pride that can motivate you into superlative action. All of us felt so degraded, so depressed, that India fell down as a slave nation. Swamiji says, any man and every nation could come and walk over India. Why? How did it happen? Because we lost faith in ourselves. And Swamiji says, we have to give back to India its lost individuality. So as he was touring around India, he beheld these two visions, the external India and the eternal India. So sitting here, I find 
as we are discussing this wonderful topic on Swamiji, there is a sincere attempt, is it not? Some amount of, some percentage of sincere feeling, emotion is there to catch the music of that eternal India. Enter into the tradition of Ramakrishna Vivekananda and get a connection to that eternal India. Moment you get connected to the eternal India, you become a conduit for that eternal India to manifest itself in front of the world. What is that eternal India? We shall see tomorrow when we shall look into the mission of Swamiji. So these two topics, the vision has got two parts. The eternal India and the external India. The mission also has got two parts. What Swamiji did and what is left for us to do. So the vision and the mission. The Swamiji's vision of India. If you go through the books, we will have tremendous facts, information about Swamiji's vision about India. So as he was wandering through, he had these two visions. Eternal India and the external India. How was this external India? A slave nation, a quarreling nation, men with petty-mindedness, ruthlessly competitive among themselves, utterly selfish, uncaring for their own masses, like the great Raja Dhananand. You must have seen the Chanakya story, how Dhananand behaved. Is it not? That is the exter external India. Pettiness, utter stupidness, shallow mentality, unwillingness to cooperate, inability to join. It is still there. Swamiji says, we in India, two people in India cannot join. Somebody in Bengal told, two Bengalis can join and create three parties. I asked how. <laughs> he told each one of them, when they join, they make one party and separately they have got individual party. So this is, Bengal means in those days, we considered what Bengal thinks, India will think 50 years after. So Bengal represented India. So they say two people can make three parties. So India had that mentality, that is the external India. Swamiji was telling, seeing that external India, no unity among our own princes, our own kings, utter unsympathetic attitude towards masses, at whose labor and pain their treasuries were filled. None of them bothered. And the great Raja of Ajmer, not Ajmer, Alwar, he asked that beautiful question to Swamiji. Swami, you are a graduate of Kolkata University. Why can't you work and earn money? You are so intelligent, so capable. Swamiji put that question. You are sing. You are a lion. Why are you running behind these Britishers, drinking and dancing? It will to amari hai. So that was the condition prevailing in India. Nothing is imaginary or con uh, concocted. Even now it is happening, is it not? If you look at the lives of our ministers, what is happening? Every small ministers, every petty MLA or MP, even in the village, what he does? Very few of our ministers or leaders are taking really care of India or feeling sympathy to poor and downtrodden, is it not? Every man from the lower caste, when he raises, he forgets his caste. In Koilandi, we have a fisherman colony. The man studied. He got a degree staying in that fisherman colony. And after he became an officer in the Gulf, in the merchant navy, he says, it is impossible for me to stay there. He had come out to other colony and he is staying there as a big man. So Swami says, this feeling, that unsympathy, lack of concern, for the masses, 
this was the condition that was prevailing one vision swamiji saw india in decadence india in its downfall india with its lost glory the slave nation everywhere there was famine death squalor disease disunity inferiority complex there is a great breeze of fear blowing everywhere swamiji says there is a current of fear everywhere in india not a single man is willing to rise up everybody was frightened swamiji says a nation of imbeciles what can you do you are all imbeciles swamiji shouts scolds in the letter what can you do so after seeing everything these kings the chieftains all of them working in such a petty way running behind the britishers acclaiming their own civilization and culture losing losing the glory of our own culture not feeling proud of oneself this was one particular scene a canvas in which india was painted which swamiji saw along with that swamiji saw wonderful things in india in khetri he had this beautiful incident for 3 days non stop continuously he was talking not a single person cared to give him a glass of water or any food and a low caste man comes to him weeping he says swamiji you have been talking and talking and talking are you not hungry swamiji's heart it wells it welled up with great emotions is it not the eternal india this is eternal india in the huts in the peasant's cottage in fisherman's house in the hut so india is still living that eternal india how to behold just as we say read between the lines we have to look between the scenes or look below the scenes or behind the scenes what is the real india and that man told swamiji everything i will bring you cook and eat swamiji told no it is the same brahman which is inside i told yesterday swamiji brought that reality into the actuality if brahman is transcendental bring that transcendental reality into the phenomenal reality the one swamiji brought into the many and he told everywhere the same atman is there what caste restrictions are there i am a sanyasi i belong to paramahamsa sampradaya you bring but that man was frightened because he thought king may punish him then swamiji told you bring cook yourself and swamiji took food from him and then he remarks we despise this man as low caste people are not they gods where can you find this wonderful culture the ancient aryan culture so swamiji was so touched by this incident that a poor man belonging to low caste he could feel this feeling makes a god out of man that's why swamiji used to ask do you feel that millions and millions of poor people people in india are suffering does your heart bleed have you gone mad if so that is the first step to patriotism not the second do you feel so this poor man felt and there swamiji beheld the eternal india what a feeling what a richness of culture what wonderful spirituality if not this what else is spirituality and religion so swamiji moves in another place we find another sweet incident we 
before that, we will conclude the second part of this incident. This poor man had given food to Swamiji and after Swamiji came back from India, in Swamiji's life also we can see eternal India reflecting itself. In the crowd of people who had come to welcome Swamiji, this poor man also was present. At that time, Swamiji was Swami Sachidananda or Vividishananda, unknown to anybody. Even this man who gave food might not have calculated that Swamiji will come to power. Now we do everything with the calculation that he may come to power. So he helped, he had forgotten, but Swamiji never forgot it. So he was called and when that man came, saved my life, put him out of his needs. Raja gave him some sense of land, some money and made him absolutely free from wants. So that again we find the reflection of eternal India from Swamiji. I don't know how to put it in Marathi. In Marathi we have got a saying, Kama Purta Mama. So this will be the opposite of that. The thankfulness, you see, having got the help, after getting all the glory, the triumphal welcome, and the reward, the honor, how Swamiji behaved with utter humility. There in the crowd, he found out this man and told, come. Another incident is, there was a man called Ramasanehi. These are all the incidents which will add sweetness to our thought meditation on Swamiji. In this we will find the vision which Swamiji held. Ramasanehi was a Vaishnava sadhu, very poor in rags, with an aluminium plate for begging. And that plate had Swamiji says 100 nails. So many holes were there, every holes had been riveted. And with that small aluminium plate, taking a small stone, Ramasanehi will give tal and Swamiji will sing bhajans. And sometimes when Swamiji would like to smoke, Ramasanehi will go beg tambaku and bring to Swamiji. Both of them will spend lot of time discussing about spiritual matters and had a very wonderful time. So that was for particular days. After that, Swamiji left Rajasthan and went. And again when he came back at Alwar, great reception was held. Great welcome. Everybody is honoring Swamiji. Hundreds of garlands are getting accumulated. So there was the meeting to be held for Swamiji and so many VIPs were standing. Suddenly Swamiji shouted, Hey Ramsanehi, hey Ramsanehi, Dara. So all those ministers and king and other important officers, they were all surprised, leaving all the etiquettes, manners. Swamiji simply shouted, Hey Ramsanehi, Dara. Ramsanehi's face blossomed like a flower. She was shedding tears. This great Vivekananda is the same Vivekananda whom I met years before as a wandering beggar on the face of the earth. Swamiji embraced him, asked him, do you remember those wonderful days? What pleasant days, what sweet days. How we spent our time thinking about God and you used to give tal with a stone on your plate. I told him, yes, Swamiji. After talking with him for a few minutes, Swamiji told him, So then he attended the meeting. So like this, so many incidents are happening in his life which gave an idea of the eternal India. And Swamiji says, in spite of poverty, in spite of all the hardships, we find this eternal India still living like fire under the ash. 
So wandering, wandering like this, Swamiji was traveling through different parts of India and he reached Kanyakumari. So there sitting on the last bit of rock, he found a great transformation is coming into his heart. That is the Advaitic feeling. The time for Swamiji to mature into a huge banyan tree under whose shade millions of tired souls will take rest. So Swamiji was slowly swimming through the shark infested ocean and sat on the last bit of Indian rock at Kanyakumari. As he sat there, the whole history of India revealed itself. Like a film unwinding itself, Swamiji saw the past India, the glorious, wonderful India, the golden India, with all the greatness, all the marvelous achievements, and the wonderful things India gave to other countries, what India has not done, what contribution India has not given to this world. I will read out, I have particularly brought out to show, show you how Swamiji could see the greatness of India. And Nehru beautifully says, rooted in the present, full of pride of the past. We are all rooted in the present, but we are not proud of our past. We are proud of USA. We are proud of other countries. After getting a job, none of us wants to come back. Swamiji also went to America, is it not? Not that these modern youths are going to America. Swamiji was a pioneer. He was the first merchant to market Indian spirituality in the world. After Swami Vivekananda marketed, brought out the commercial value of spirituality and religion for the welfare of the humanity, now you will find thousands of people marketing for their own personal profit. It was the Swamiji's genius that understood the tremendous export value of Indian spirituality, export spirituality and import western science. So he was a great ambassador, man who could see things, a genius who had a vision, how to lift India. The only way is give and take. What have you to give the beggar India? The external India, full of squalor, disease, famine, death, slavery, selfishness, jealousy, competition. The external India, what have you to give to gain honor and sympathy from the western countries? Swamiji was belonging to the eternal India, the Saptarishi. He said, I have something to give. And giving this to the land of Kubera, I will bring all the wealth from Kubera's land. And then through that, I shall bring about the rejuvenation of our country. And once India is rejuvenated, international market for India will open up. Culture, spirituality, tradition, morality, ideality, perfection, all this will flow from here, India, to external market. And there is a beautiful book, I am forgetting the name, it is written by one Ananda Margi, Ravi Bhatra, where he discusses about the law of cycles. There he says, according to the law of cycles, every nation has got a rise and fall. So slowly India will rise, but through what means? He says, there will come a time, that man wrote 1984 or something, like the Great Depression, and he, he was awarded in America. He says, there will come a time that a particular commodity will be in great demand in the international market. 
So few years before, Dhirubhai Ammane had put that question, what will be the most demanded commodity in the market? Nobody could answer. It's only information. Nobody believed information can become a commodity in the market. And now what is happening? Information sells. There is information technology. So this Ravi Bhatra says, after some time, men with morality, men with ethics, men steeped in values, rooted in tradition and culture, these people will be in great demand and India will supply. He has predicted how far it may materialize or not, I don't know. But that is telling with Swamiji. Where he says, up India and conquer the West with your spirituality. Spirituality means what? Uprightness, unselfishness, truthfulness, non-violence. All the values you bring, that becomes spirituality in the practical, dynamic field of action. Where you will find work is worship, to labor is to pray. All these ideals will come and mingle into the man who is full of spirituality. And India will be producing these spiritual giants. And western countries will import these giants from India. And Swamiji has given another hint. Just at the mere nod of this person in Belur Mutt, the whole world will listen. Just by the mere nod of the head of persons in Belur Mutt, world will get sanction. How to believe? We can't believe, is it not? Two incidents I will quote, which will prove to you the prophetic vision or the great power of Swami Vivekananda to look into the future. Before Swamiji became famous in America at the Parliament of Religion, as the Parliament of Religion was postponed for a month, he was staying in somebody's house and there were evening parlor meetings. During one of those meetings, he says, India will be free exactly 50 years after. Nobody believed, nobody took it seriously at that time. And Winston Churchill, I read his book, he was planning to keep whole of India a slave nation for years to come. He had declared Indians are an unorganized mob. They can't rule themselves. And it is true also. Recently we found the Indian Express bottom column where Churchill told Gandhiji should not have been released from jail. Let him die there. Because if Gandhiji dies, of course what would have happened we don't know. But look at the planning, the scheming of Winston Churchill. He says Indians should not be allowed. It was during his time this plan for introducing Megalis education was plotted out. They can be captured only when you snatch their religion. Churchill had found out as Swamiji had found out. Religion is the backbone of India. Break that. And that is how the conversion and other things have slowly started at a galloping speed. Break the Indian religion. Break their spirituality. Then we can conquer them and utilize them for our own benefit and growth. But then the God of India had other plans. Jagale Bharata Smashana Thire Pathale Bharata Deshe Deshe Rishi Punya Thirtho Vari Kalish Swamiji was sent to other countries before Churchill could plan. Already, already the seeds, the blueprint for the revival of India and the world had been thrown into the western country. Churchill was not aware of it. Roosevelt was not aware of it. Hitler was not aware of it. But Swamiji was aware of it. 
how beautifully he says the whole of europe is on the brink of a volcanic eruption i am smelling military power everywhere in 1897 he made two predictions during the parlor meetings he says india will be free exactly 50 years after not by her own efforts these are all very complicated statements now especially with savarkar's name this man's name that man's name all entering into controversial things i have not shot mahatma gandhi there is one famous book i saw all these things are becoming so controversial we are not able to make out what is true and what is wrong if you put this in front of indians it may become a very complicated thing swamiji had told india will be free not by her own efforts especially if during election time if it is told it will be very dangerous <laughs> india will be free not by her own efforts situations prevailing in the world will force colonial countries to give up india if you read winston churchill's life you will find how the situation developed how it became a crisis it became a crisis for every country to preserve themselves and slowly british has told now leave it this is a difficult thing to handle india has become so hot and swamiji had told at that time why don't they catch and shoot me these britishers if they shoot me my death will run like wild fire and india will be free tomorrow but they don't dare to touch me my death will become first nail in their coffin yes swamiji had re- literally told this and after he came back from america some of the revolutionaries met swamiji i am not remembering their names there's a beautiful book the saga of patriotism released by nivedita academy or something from bangalore where they say few fiery youngsters had met swamiji how many things swamiji had planned for releasing india you see because he had seen both the external india and the eternal india he wanted to simply throw the external india out make the eternal india a resurgent india come out and conquer the world he had met the man hiram maxi who invented guns and bombs swamiji says what india requires now is guns and bombs see veer savarkar cd those are all complicated things i will not mention now so second prediction which swamiji made was the first prediction was because these are all connected with swamiji we can't avoid you see as i told clear politics true politics for the welfare from the point of view of administration can't avoid this what happened kulkarni sir you are coming this side we are talking about eternal india ah so this was the thing that swamiji predicted exactly after 50 years and in 1947 india became free you calculate exactly 50 years mary louise burke sister gargi she writes nobody listened or took those words seriously at that time and swamiji writes in one of the letters my brother please believe that by the grace of god i am able to see things that are going to happen at distant time mother has provided that power to me because he had to come down to such a lower plane to make people believe that he is not an ordinary man even many of the direct disciples could not understand who sri ramakrishna was and therefore could not understand the mission of swamiji and swamiji had tremendous burden to lift to lift our own people and swamiji weeps one day 
inch by inch i am going towards death will you all simply see and stand by without coming and helping me these words moved them now they understand who is swami ji even now also we don't understand fully who swami ji was it is like a baby holding the waters of the ocean in its small fist so this was the first prediction in 1950 india became free second prediction was still marvelous moment india will be free china will attack had nehru been very careful indian defense minister has been very careful and it was this invasion of china which shattered the dream of nehru hindi chini bye bye nehru collapsed after that had he been careful to listen to swami ji how much of precaution he would have taken is it not but who listens to prophets only after we get hurt we go to the doctors china attacked is it not and then one more prediction he made regarding the world scene he told next great appraisal or upheaval will come in russia karl marx predicted it will come in germany sister gargi loi berk mentions karl marx predicted that because of the trade union movement that has started in germany this proletariat win equal rights the great upheaval of communism will start in germany but karl marx was proved wrong and the great upheaval the tremendous wave came in russia so these are the three predictions of swami ji which had materialized now like nostradamus prediction and we can understand that swami ji predictions are right one more prediction is given where he says i am seeing clearly india rejuvenated mother india seated once again on the throne so this is the four these are the four predictions swami ji saw now i am i had digressed from one particular point which i left before trying to tell you that how swami ji's predictions have come true what was that point you see how in the flow of events we are not able to keep contacts is it not we are not able to keep link i told india had given tremendous contributions to the world is it not so that vision of india swami ji held in his view and it told this india has to be again awakened so what are the contributions india had given to the world that we shall just go through the words of swami ji and then we shall take the next part tomorrow Oh, somewhere it is gone see now i will read out the debt which the world owes to our motherland is immense so much of contribution has gone from india to other countries that is the eternal india not the dirty poverty stricken squalor stricken full of famine and diseased india the fallen india there was a great eternal india which swami ji saw and what was that great eternal india backed by her own spiritual treasure as i look back upon the history of my country i do not find in the whole world another country which has done quite so much for the improvement of the human mind not indian mind so mark the words everything is universal therefore i have no words of condemnation for my nation i tell them you have done well only try to do better 
we hindus stand ready to be convinced that yours is a earlier religion although we heard ours some 300 years before yours was even thought of the same holds good with respect to sciences india has given to antiquity the earliest scientifical physicians and according to sir william hunter she has even contributed to the modern medical science by the discovery of various chemicals and by teaching you how to reform misshaped ears and noses plastic surgery even more it has done in mathematics for algebra geometry astronomy and the triumph of modern science mixed mathematics were all invented in india just so much as the 10 numerals the very cornerstone of all present civilization were all discovered in india and are in reality sanskrit words in philosophy we are even now head and shoulders above any other nation as schopenhauer the great german philosopher has confessed in music india gave to the world her system of notation with seven cardinal notes on the diatonic scale in philology our sanskrit language is now universally universally acknowledged to be the foundation of all european languages in literature our epics and poems and dramas rank as high as those of any language our shakuntala was summarized by germany's greatest poet as heaven and earth united india has given to the world the fables of aesop which were copied by aesop from an old sanskrit book it has given the arabian nights yes even the story of cinderella cinderella and the bean stalks in manufacture india was the first to make cotton and purple dye it was proficient in all works of jewelry and the very word sugar as well as the article itself is a product of india lastly she has invented the game of chess and the cards and the dice so great in fact was the superiority of india in every respect that it drew to her borders drew to her borders the hungry cohorts of europe and thereby indirectly brought about the discovery of america and i challenge anybody to show one single period of her national life when india was lacking in spiritual giants capable of moving the world he was one of them who moved the world but her work is spiritual and that cannot be done with the blast of war trumpets or the march of the cohorts her influence has always fallen upon the world like that of the gentle dew unheard and scarcely marked yet bringing into bloom the fairest flowers of the earth that is the eternal india the great india the wonderful india which swami ji saw and he says get linked to that linked to that india not to the present political geographical india it is still having the smell the stench of the ancient slave india if you look at the nation with all the rulers constantly fighting many of the states wanting to have their own flags and some states unwilling to leave the waters of the rivers and there is a constant demand for nationalizing all the rivers connecting all the rivers with so many problems presenting in our country what we require now is the vision of swami vivekananda to behold the eternal india many times i feel if eternal india has to be beholded nationalized religion also why nationalize the bank alone nationalize all religion in india to be hindu religion so that no any religion will get the benefit of minorities so if religion can be nationalized somebody who can behold the eternal india take courage in hand take boldness 
and behold the greatness of that India should be at the helm of affairs of India and then declare that in India everything is one. Sharat Maharaj had remarked, there will come a time and a man will be born in India in whose hand everybody's shendi will be there. So we will give our salutations to Swamiji. I am sorry for delaying you. Tomorrow we shall take up the second part. So after seeing these two parts, the external India and seeing, you can bring the harmonium and hearing the music of the eternal India, what was the plan that Swamiji gave to us to bring the eternal India from behind and below the external India? And what is the role as Ramakrishna Vivekananda devotees we have to play in our own humble way?